Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson. Killar jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson, Karlsson, Yes, welcome everybody to another episode of Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by a guy who, whenever I'm feeling like I'm over the hill as a podcaster, I'll just remind myself of what Jonathan Quick did this week. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me is unfortunately not Brian Kahn, but like unfortunately, because he's going on vacation with his family. I'm sure he's going to have a great time, but I've got an awesome ringer in here today to take his place. Someone who took my place way back in October when I was off having a kid in the hospital. He came in and knocked out an awesome show with Brian. Now he's here with me. It's one of our favorite fantasy hockey projectionists, former Dauber hockey managing editor, and host of a really great podcast series where he redrafted a bunch of NHL entry drafts. I really enjoyed listening to that back when it was happening. It's the great Steve Laidlaw. Steve, welcome back to Keeping Carlson. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Elon. Uh, excellent introduction, as always. And I, I think I finally you know, found my place um, in podcasting, which is as a, a pinch hitter. <laughs> hey, I mean, you always do really well. And that's, uh, you know, you just keep yourself fresh in people's minds. So then when you come up with those projections, they'll want to go and get them. And yeah, I, I, I was talking to you before we started recording that it would have been fun if I went back and like listened to all your takes back in October. So we could have talked through what you got right and what you got wrong. So we'll have to get you back on next year to go through that project. Uh, but yeah, a lot has obviously changed. And we're already now in March. And for most people, we're heading into the fantasy playoffs, believe it or not, at least in the Keeping Carlson Ultra Patriot Fantasy league which i think we use a pretty standard setup our playoffs start next week for the quarterfinals so now is the time where we've probably lost a lot of listeners anyone who's like been eliminated and doesn't care anymore but the people listening have a lot at stake so we're gonna have to really try to give them some good advice so i was thinking we can just try to do a a classic check-in on like just every team in the league we'll see how far we can get i've got like a one take at least from from each team and we'll, we'll get your thoughts and we'll try to give people some good advice when they're deciding who to add from those teams who to maybe consider dropping yeah, that sounds like a great plan. And I, I don't know how you're doing in your leagues, but I am in the playoffs starting next week for all my leagues. All of them? Um, how many is that? So it's going to be terrifying. Uh, three of them. So I've got first place locked up in, in my one-year leagues, and then I got probably coming in third for the regular season for my keeper league. So it, it's it's looking decent. I've got some cautious optimism, but uh, I'm ready for it to all go terribly wrong and a hellfire of terrible goaltending. Well, that's all. Like, you'll see as we go through this, there's just going to be a lot of questions like this goaltender is all of a sudden doing good and this goaltender is all of a sudden doing bad. How could we have ever predicted this? And that, hopefully that doesn't end up sinking you. Hopefully you get uh, the lucky end of the goaltending. Are these all like one week matchups that you're going into or do you have any two week matchups? It's just one weekers. Oh, man. Okay, so this is going to be a big week for you. You better uh, yeah, take off of work or whatever so you could focus. Uh, <laughs> I'm in three leagues myself. Uh, one of them, it, well, actually, two of them have two-week matchups, and I'm in the semis in one, and I'm in the quarterfinals in one. It's looking like I, well, anyways, I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm doing good in those two leagues. Then we have the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, where I'm in Tier 1, and uh, this has not been a very good season, and I'm right now fighting to not come in 13th, so at least I could make the uh, consolation playoffs, and I need some luck. I'm going to need Matthew to beat Lewis today. Oh, oh no. Circling the toilet bowl. Yeah, but hey, if I could just get, you know, 12th place, then I make the consolation playoffs. Next thing you know, I win the next three weeks. Then I'm in seventh place. Not too bad of a result. So, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic here. But uh, <laughs> injuries make, make it difficult. Not that that's my only excuse. I could also make the excuse that I was, uh, you know, early on I had some things going on. Uh, which is why you were coming on the podcast. But anyways, okay. I, like I said, I have 32 teams I want to get through, so we should probably dive into it here. I'll mention quickly that we are presented by your former I- employer, I guess, uh, DauberHockey.com, where you did an awesome job doing daily ramblings and all the writers there, just as high quality as Steve Laidlaw, believe it or not. It's a really great site. And also I use the tools over at Frozen Tools to prep, so very happy to say we're presented by Dauber Hockey. But okay, I was thinking the way I can go through this is I ranked all 32 teams by, I think, who has the best schedule just for next week. Since I think right now people aren't thinking long term. We're thinking just for next week, pretty much. Uh, and the best schedule next week, 
I talked about this also on a podcast yesterday, the matchup maximizer. Now we can go into more details. Yeah, the Buffalo Sabres are the only team that has four games all on light days. It's a typical week, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, super busy. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, very light. So if, you know, if you're looking at a streamer to add, uh, you're definitely going to want to look at someone on those light days because you probably are already full on the busy days. And yeah, Buffalo gives you four. And the news out of Buffalo is that Alex Tuck is back at practice. Uh, looked like he was taking like line rushes. So for that game tomorrow, for the Sabres against Toronto. Maybe he'll be back and he'll just take that top line spot, I'm guessing, with Skinner and Thompson. So, you know, he'll probably also take that top power play spot that's been occupied by Olafson. So, you know, at one point I was thinking that, yeah, Jordan Greenway, who was on the top line, was looking interesting. Olafson on the top power play, kind of interesting. Uh, at this point, we kind of get back to just our typical Sabres, which are, you know, basically the top power play guys, Cousins, Tuck, Skinner, Thompson. You got, no, Darlene is day-to-day, though. So I guess Owen Power could be interesting but yeah are you with me that with tuck back there's not really much fantasy value outside of the top power play yeah not necessarily but you hit the two words on the head owen power if dalene is out in the three games that he's missed owen power four assists 10 shots over 23 minutes a game in those games so if dalene is out then owen power could be a matchup tilting option for you heaven forbid Darlene's out the entire week he's been an absolute monster for people uh, including myself but if he is then Owen Power is your must-have replacement Right. So you're looking back at stats from the last time Darlene missed time and Power got on the top power play. And yeah, there was th- three games in a row with an assist. Since then, quieted down again. But yeah, like you said, it's all, all depends on that deployment. And yeah, so Power could be huge. So you're going to have to be watching the line combinations. You could go to game day tweets, follow at game day lines. We try to retweet things as we go. And yeah, so that's obviously going to be something very important to keep an eye on. Also in Buffalo, Eric Comrie is on the IR. So he's out for probably at least next week, maybe a couple weeks. Uh, so that leaves Lokanen and Craig Anderson. I'm assuming with these four games, it's fair to assume Lokanen gets like three of those games. Maybe a good guy to grab. Like before, when it was a three-headed monster, it was kind of scary to add him, where maybe he would only get like two out of every four games max. But I would assume that Lokanen is going to get the majority now. Yeah, apparently uh, Craig Anderson's only allowed to play one game a week. Right. So <laughs> that, that gives the rest to Lokanen. Yeah. Okay. So obviously we're not going to try to project how he'll do in those games. Goalies are tough. Uh, Those four games are Toronto, Washington, Philly, and Boston. So three tough matchups and Philly. So might might be tough. And probably Craig Anderson gets the Philly game, I guess, if you're trying to manage this properly. Uh, Okay. So the next best schedule, I think, is over in Toronto. They go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but then Saturday. So you're probably, uh, you know, going to be sitting someone on that Saturday, but still a pretty good schedule, especially to start the week. And unfortunately on Toronto, uh, with Ryan O'Reilly out, they've been shifting up the lines and the two people who seem to be in good situations, like aren't producing. Like you've got Alex Kerfoot, who's been playing with Matthews and Marner, but somehow doing nothing, even though Matthews, Marner, like Nylander, all like doing great. Uh, some of the guys playing with him, Michael Bunting, somehow only one point in his last six games. Uh, he also had a cold stretch at the start of the and then went off so i'd be nervous to tell people to drop michael bunting because i worry it'd just be a repeat of what happened before but like i guess he's saved by toronto having a good schedule but do you think like michael bunting bounces back since he's still in the top six like he has been when he's been so hot earlier on or is it time to maybe just give up on the guy because he's not doing anything yeah i'd be worried to throw that dart and and hope that because bunting's got a nice schedule for this week that he's gonna suddenly start producing like it's fascinating. Toronto, they suddenly turned into this team that outside of their big five, like the number one power play unit, I'm not really that interested in their options. With all the trades that they made at the deadline and then the injury to our O'Reilly, it's just like their forward depth is suddenly a bunch of bangers outside of those top guys. And then on defense, they've got like a bunch of guys that they're going to be rotating in and out. So like they killed Luke Shen's fantastic roto season, Eric mm-hmm. Gustafson, like he's, you know, everything that he did was a product of the capitals power play. So it's just like they evaporated all these depth option values. Like, I guess if you're looking for a deep cut, it's Jake McCabe on defense. You need hits, you need blocks, stream them for uh, Monday through Friday. You get three games that way. And then you dump them and find something for the weekend. 
Yeah, I think that's good advice. Yeah, I feel like Kyle Dubas doesn't care about our fantasy teams. He killed the fantasy value of a couple of these guys. Yeah, Eric Gustafsson was amazing. Uh, now, of course, there's a new person on Washington who we'll actually get to next. So I'll just mention on Toronto, obviously not, nothing actionable here, but some of these guys are doing so well. Like William Nylander has tied his career high in goals with 34, uh, and that's only 65 games in. So he's probably going to break 40. Uh, I don't mean to jinx him, but yeah, he's having this like amazing career season. Mitch Marner now has 18 points in his last nine games uh matthew's obviously doing his thing so yeah the leaves the top end guys are doing great but like you said now it's, it's it's like they've built a lineup i guess to try to beat tampa bay and so i guess they figured they need to just have some toughness and grit outside of the people who they're going to depend on to score goals so do you think they did enough like do you, do you like the leafs chances to finally win a playoff series this this time around no it's the leafs Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so leaves it as the lightning. Uh, okay, but yeah, let's go to Washington. Also a very good schedule. Tuesday and then Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. You still got those three off-day games. And maybe you could fit, if you could fit someone in on Tuesday, it's just as good as, as these other two teams. And obviously the big name here that we have to discuss, Rasmus Sandin. He's now up to eight points in four games on Washington. He's just like taken over. Obviously, uh, John Carlson's out. So Sandin's getting that top power play and he's running with it. And the thing is, like Morgan Riley wasn't even doing that amazing on the Leafs top power play i just wonder like was rasmus sandin always this good and the leafs just didn't realize and maybe they should have given an opportunity like i'm just curious to get your take like did you foresee that sandin was going to be able to do this when he swapped teams yeah it was like the number one take that i hit out as soon as i saw that trade go through it was sandin like that red line going up rocket ship rocket ship moon like this guy is better than crypto in 2021 it is (laughs) Like I, you can't see, but I'm pounding the table, like imploring people. He's a top 20 defenseman the rest of the way this year. Carlson's not going to play. He's only 50% owned on Yahoo. The fan tracks folks are, you know, more hip to this at 66% owned, but in any sort of matchup where, or setup where you're accruing points the rest of the way, where it's not his full season value, but his value from here on out you need to have this guy in your lineup he's a guy who some of your mainstays you could be sitting in a weekly starts league to get four games out of him versus say two out of an Ekblad or you know a Montour who are only getting two games like this is a guy who you must have if he's available yeah it it would seem almost like your league isn't doing it right if he's somehow still available in free agency and to add a cherry on top washington has that those four games next week so it wouldn't make sense if you can get him go ahead uh it's funny like sandin yeah like you said rocket ship up eric gustafson rocket ship the other way i guess the opposite of a rocket ship i don't know what you call it a rock but uh yeah i guess they passed each other on the way <laughs> sinking right. like a rock <laughs> Yeah, like they maybe high-fived as they passed each other and in their fantasy values. Uh, do you think there's a chance, like just trying to think forward, I know, we, I know we need to be focused just on next week, but just to take a second, for those of us who are like eliminated from some leagues and are thinking like to next year, is there a chance that like Rasmus Sandin could like usurp John Carlson from the top power play with how good he's been? Or is it just like no chance? Like Carlson's for sure the guy, don't even think twice about it. Yeah, I'm not thinking twice about it, but Sandin is still going to maintain some value. He hits quite a bit. Um, not a big shooter, but he could be in that Orlov type mode, depending on how they ultimately use him. Like he's not as good as Orlov as an overall defenseman. So he isn't necessarily going to be a 22 minutes a night shutdown type defenseman, but he is certainly someone who is capable of having that kind of fantasy value as a number two to John Carlson next season. Right. Yeah. And who knows, maybe Washington can try to make those two power plays a little more, even like usually they just have that one power play that gets like all the time. But maybe if they see Sandine is so good, who knows if maybe they try to give his unit a little bit more time. Ovechkin plays on both of them anyways, right? So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but. You're, you're seeing it right now. They're giving a lot more run to that second unit because the top unit isn't really clicking. So I know you want to talk about Strom and, and TVR and like that's just a result of their top power play hasn't clicked in like a couple of weeks. So those guys are on the second unit and that unit's clicking and Ovi's on that unit. So it's a better second unit than most. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll bring them up now. Uh, Dylan Strom, seven points in the last four games. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who's come out of nowhere, has like five points in his last seven. But like to go along with that, this is a defenseman who's like a career high. What? I didn't even look like 30, maybe 20 something. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk now, uh, like I said, he's getting points. Also like around three shots per game to go along with all of his blocks. He was good for blocks all year, but just out of nowhere. I don't even know where, where did this guy come from? I guess it was just like this improved opportunity. And now Washington has extended him three years at three million when he's only making like 800 or so thousand right now so he really earned himself some money just in this past month or so so good for him is there any chance i actually have tvr i added him in my dynasty cap league uh like for blocks like before all this happened and then that has been a godsend like going into my fantasy playoffs like is he someone who you think now i need to consider keeping for this three-year contract or am i going to be like oh this is like dead money on my books right now this was just a you know a a fun thing for now but definitely is not going to last for the next few years oh yeah you don't waste three million dollars that you cap on that okay well, so the Caps decided to, <laughs> and I guess I will see if they uh, regret it at some point. I'll also Different mention- NHL value versus, yeah. versus fantasy value. That's true. I do like blocks are a category. I guess obviously depends on your format. He seems like pretty good for blocks. But yeah, like he's great while he's getting like 22 minutes a night. But if other people are going to start taking that ice time, then his value is going to go down pretty quickly. Uh, I'll also mention Darcy Kemper was like ice cold for a bit. He had six straight games of a sub 900 save percentage in each game, was just blowing people up. Now, all of a sudden, five straight like amazing games, uh, you know, like stopping like 920 save percentage or more, uh, including, uh, you know, only one goal against against the Islanders last game. Like goalies just make no sense. Like I'm asking you, like you're an expert with this stuff. I'm supposed to be somewhat of an expert. Like how are we supposed to predict these guys? Like when, when Kemper was ice cold, were we supposed to assume he was going to get hot? Like now that he's hot, should we assume he's going to stay hot? Like, or is just like flip a coin and who knows if Kemper's going to continue this hot run or be garbage again? Yeah. You just, you just don't know. That's why the, the prevailing wisdom is goalies are voodoo. There's certain things that we can know, like say, if you're going to pay a goaltender who's been historically mostly bad 5 million over five years, because you need a starter, but he isn't actually a starter, then that's probably going to go badly for you over an extended stretch of time. But if you're looking to predict what a goalie's going to do over the next week, then you'd be better off asking like the goalie coach on that team. And if you've got, all the goalie coaches on every single NHL team's numbers, I would love to collect those because those are the only people who are going to be able to tell you whether this goalie's got it locked in or this goalie doesn't right now and whether they're actually going to be capable of, uh, of avoiding some of these ups and downs. Yeah, it would be interesting to. Well, yeah, that would be. I would follow that Twitter account of the person who was talking to all the goalie co- coaches for sure. It would be interesting to like talk to like someone like Camper and just be like, what was going on when you were doing so badly and what changed and like, like I don't, I don't. It's like uh, it must be a weird experience also for someone like him. Uh, when you were saying this like five years, five million, were you referring to Jack Campbell there or were you referring to Kemper? I was definitely not referring to Kemper. Yeah. Okay. I'll we'll just leave it to the <laughs> exercise to the listeners. Okay. Uh, are you an Oilers fan? I think you are, right? Yes, that's uh, that's where I was born. So it's ah. it's my hometown. Oh, sorry, sorry to hear. Well, uh, Skinner's been having a pretty decent season. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the St. Louis Blues. Now they play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So it's only three games instead of four, but they're all off days. So it's probably better than adding a four game team that only plays like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday kind of thing. Obviously, it depends on your format, but lots of guys on hot streaks right now on the Blues. They've really, you know, changed up their lines since kind of shedding a lot of good players at the deadline. Uh, but, you know, all of a sudden now, Pavel Buchnevich, first of all, has become a center and it's going very well. He's got 14 points in his last eight games. He's been on fire. Kairu had a hat trick in the last game. Rob Thomas looking good. So we've got some like mainstays are doing well and they've been spreading out their offense all of a sudden there's all these blues players who are interesting and like on lines with good players like in the last game they were rolling with kairu uh thomas and alexei toropchenko so toropchenko is maybe someone you could be interested because of the guys he's playing with uh buchnevich was playing with verana and kasperi kapanen Jakub verana who uh is finally getting some ice time and like pretty good even like second line and like uh he's getting some power play time 
Uh, then we have like Braden Shen's been playing with Brandon Saad, who's doing pretty well lately, and Sammy Blay, another person actually who I added to my Dynasty League just for hits. And all of a sudden, he's getting—I'm getting some luck. I'm not—I'm not going to say that there's not some luck in fantasy hockey, but it's always nice when you add someone for a peripheral category. Then all of a sudden, they're on a line that's doing some scoring. Uh, so like, just looking—I know I've thrown a lot of names at you here, but like, you know, assuming that you can't get like a Shen or a Thomas or a Cairo or Buchnevich, we have all these other names of Blues that have a pretty good schedule next week and are playing with good players. Is there anyone that like? stands out to you as like the most interesting so of like Saad, Blay, Kapanen, Verana, Toropchenko? Well, I think they just changed their lines while you were talking. So oh damn um <laughs> I could all be in the blender. But no, um two names stand out. Uh since Verana joined the team, he's got 13 shots in three games. Uh the talent has always been there. Um not really sure what the situation was in Detroit but he scored like a maniac while he was healthy when he was there. And that's what he does everywhere that he goes. So I'm certainly very intrigued in Jakob Verana. And then you mentioned Blay, four hits per game since he uh, rejoined the Blues. So if you need hits, that's a very good resource. Yeah, and Verana, I should mention, while you were talking, uh, he scored a power play goal. Uh, so there you go. His first goal, I guess, as a St. Louis Blue, assisted by Kairou and Braden Shen. So Verona's getting very good deployment just by seeing the names who assisted on the power play. And, and so, yeah, if you can get him, if he's still out there, uh, I don't know, maybe you can wait till Wednesday, you know, stream someone who plays Monday, Tuesday, and then swap over to Verona for Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Or maybe you just grab him now because that's a pretty good schedule. Uh, on the downside on St. Louis, somehow Tori Krug, not getting in on any of these points. I told you about all these guys on hot streaks. Krug just two points in his last nine games games going into today and so far he didn't get in on this power play goal uh we're looking at 24 points in 47 games overall on the season for krug like he's missed a lot of time to injury uh this is his worst point pace since like way back when he started over on boston do you think like this is kind of it for him or or would you still believe in a bounce back coming so i, I i've got to confess something here i do not have very much style And I really haven't grown since I was like 13 years old. So I have a whole bunch of shirts that are over 20 years old and still fit me. And every year, those shirts get a little bit more tattered, a little bit more frayed, a little bit more stained. It just like some of these shirts, they're at the point where like, I I can't wear these on a first date. I'm not even wearing them to work anymore. Like they're just... They're just used up. And, you know, a lot of people would be sensible. They would cut them up, use them as rags. They would, you know, donate them if they were still in good enough condition. Or they they would just throw them away. My point is, my shirts are in desperate need of being replaced. And so is Tory Krug. I forgot about the Steve Laidlaw experience and the good analogies. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, you would say definitely if you have Tory Krug and Rasmus Sandin is out there, you definitely want to throw out your tattered shirt and get the new exciting one in Sandin. Absolutely. Okay. I'm I'm with you for sure. Uh, by the way, it looks like I got that wrong. Uh, second goal on the Blues for Verona. So just rolling here. Thanks, Sam, in the chat for correcting me. All right, next uh, schedule on my list of uh, a pretty good same schedule as St. Louis, actually. Wednesday, Friday, Sunday for the Anaheim Ducks. I want to talk about their goaltending here. Uh, John Gibson doing a Darcy Kemper impression in that he was terrible for a lot of time. And now all of a sudden lately, Gibson has been great. Like in some leagues better than Kemper because he's got like five quality starts in his last six and like he's stopping like he's getting so many shots against so you're getting so many saves like if your league counts saves Gibson's got to be among the top lately he stopped 36 of 37 versus Calgary on Friday uh, would you be comfortable like if you had you know you said you're in three leagues in your playoffs do you have Gibson in any of them and if you did like if you don't but like if you did like would you be comfortable riding him or would you just be nervous every single game that he's going to totally blow you up are you familiar with the parable of the <laughs> scorpion and the frog? Yes. <laughs> so there it is. Don't trust John Gibson. No, I mean, there's some people who are going to have to. Like, it's it's Sunday. If there's there's no other options. You need a goalie start. You got to fire away. Like, what you, you, you take your chances there. But if I'm the frog, I'm swimming across that stream without the scorpion on my back. Right. So you would rather just let someone else maybe take the risk. I, it look, it's just like a high risk, high reward. We can't predict, but it's it's nice to see him doing well. I'd still love to at some point in my lifetime, see what John Gibson could do on a good team. 
and see if he could be like among the top goalies in the league. Like I have this hunch that maybe he could be, but I don't know if we'll ever see it before he like is out of his prime. If maybe he already is. Uh, anyway, one day perhaps. Vay Melka also, by the way, is another goalie who I'd love to see on a good team and see like how good he can do. Uh, but okay, let's go to Colorado now. They go Monday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Saturday. So we're outside of the three off days. Now we're looking at teams with two off days, but still pretty good, especially if you have room, say, on the Thursday. So you have got obviously look at your team. Uh, Colorado, real line, just like you said about St. Louis with the line blender, Colorado also changing it up uh, very often. Most recently, they reunited McKinnon and Rantanen for this game against Arizona on Saturday, and it was Evan Rodriguez in that Landy spot as the third on that line, which is obviously such a great spot to be. Obviously, there's no chance that this like, or I should say there's no like way to know if this is going to hold. But if it does, got to imagine that would make make Rodriguez like super intriguing. But again, it, it could change mid game on Monday. So I just I wanted to bring it up. But I'm imagining you're going to say that you're not going to like put too much faith in Evan Rodriguez holding the spot. No, like Colorado is in action at the deadline it left them really shallow on options. So yeah, Rodriguez, he might be in a spot one night where he's on that top line and it's a good opportunity. If you're in a weekly starts league, you really, you don't want to be relying on anyone outside of the big five that are on their top power play unit. And so Lekkanen, Nichushkin, and then uh, you mentioned Rantanen, McKinnon and McCarr and outside of those guys, it's really very circumstantial. So if you're looking for a one-off stream, then maybe a Rodriguez is interesting. If he's still on that top line, come one of those off nights, but otherwise it's, it's surprisingly thin. Right. Yeah. So, but they're like, the, the, it's so interesting tempting because they're such a strong team like they have the capability of scoring so many goals they have a pretty good schedule coming up for the rest of the playoffs so i know a lot of people are loading up on their abs but like you say it might be get frustrating if on some days for example you're probably not super stoked for like your lekkonens and your natushkins right now to be away from both mckinnon and rantanen but you'll, you hope that it changes or they they're pretty good players so they'll still probably be able to do something for you but not maybe as good as playing with one of those superstars uh so I guess, what is that? We've done like four or five teams. I think we're doing pretty well for time here, but we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back. We'll go to Columbus next. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back. Next up, I want to go to the Columbus Blue Jackets, who also play four times with a couple of off days. Kind of the flip of Colorado. Colorado is Monday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Saturday. Columbus is going to go Tuesday, Thursday, and then you got Friday, Sunday with the off days coming at the end of the week. If you were excited to like, you know, jump on Elvis Merzlikens after Corpusalo got traded, thinking that you were going to get a lot of volume, unfortunately, uh, that's not going to happen because Merzlikens has returned to Latvia to be with his ill grandmother. So obviously, wishing him and his family the best in the meantime the blue jackets have michael hutchinson who like with all that craziness with jonathan quick and corpusalo somehow columbus ended up with a goalie who like in my head is one of like the least reliable goalies that i could remember like i still remember that time that colorado looked like they were going to be a a cup winner and then all their goalies got hurt and they were relying on hutchinson it was kind of like well better luck next year but uh he has not been good not surprisingly, uh, four goals against on 23 shots versus St. Louis. He also led in five goals versus Pittsburgh on Tuesday. So there is this other guy in the system, Daniil Tarasov, who I know a lot of prospect people are pretty high on. So I'm guessing he's he's been called up. I assume he's going to get a chance to shine. I'll be curious to see how many games they each get next week between Tarasov and Hutchinson. I feel like if Columbus like really cared about winning... They would play, you know, like Tarasov three of those games, but maybe since they don't really care, maybe they'll just go 50-50. Are you interested in like any of these goalies or is this like much worse than even a John Gibson situation? Well, I think it's kind of offensive that you said that Hutchinson isn't reliable. I think he's exactly as reliable <laughs> as you need him to be. Yeah. Uh, if you're engaging in a tank for one of the most famous prospects to come along in quite some time. So uh, I think that they would be foolish to give Tarasov more than a taste. You certainly, you give him a taste because this is an opportunity and he got called up. So reward him with having been called up, give him, give him a game, but don't destroy him by whatever that hot garbage team you have is playing in front of him for too much time. So as far as Columbus is concerned, um, unless we're talking about Boone Jenner, I don't want to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. 
Wow. Not even... Okay, I guess we don't need to dive into it. Like, Goudreau lining. I feel like there's a couple guys, but yeah, in nope, general... No, nope, no, nope. Garbage. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, definitely, yeah, on defense, I've uh, found myself streaming in, like, a Boakfast now and then and generally being quite disappointed. So I know what you're talking about there. And yeah, this team... I mean, those games also next week. I like the Tuesday against San Jose. San Jose lets in a lot of goals. I'll bet you that some of those guys... Uh, even the ones who are garbage. I, I might like take like a Boakvist or whoever for that one game. But after that, yeah, maybe that, then you move on. But uh, okay, so next up, we could go to Minnesota. They play Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Speaking of playing against San Jose, Minnesota was able to feast on the Sharks yesterday on Saturday. Uh, this was Sans Kirill Kaprizov, who's injured out for like three weeks. Out. Did, do you have uh, Kaprizov in any of your fantasy leagues, Steve? No, thank goodness. Lucky. Okay, yeah. Hopefully uh, for you, it's like one of your opponents is uh, the one who has him that was riding him all year. I actually, in my quarterfinals of my uh, Dynasty League, where I'm now in the semis, uh, my opponent had Kaprizov, and he was it was very frustrating. Every time Minnesota played, he would score like a goal or two. I was like, ah, just when, when can Minnesota stop playing already? But yeah, I luckily got through, and that person, I guess, didn't have to deal with the heartbreak of losing Kaprizov. But yeah, without him... So the team was fine versus San Jose, right? Like Boldy, Zuccarello, Marcus Johansson, they each had a goal and an assist. Boldy took six shots in that game. Ryan Hartman had a couple assists. Joel Eriksson didn't get a point, but he had six shots, was plus two. So he was clearly like on the ice for, for goals. Uh, oh, John Klingberg, who's their new top power play guy, two assists. So a great game. That might lull people into thinking that maybe they can actually rely on Minnesota to score without Kaprizov. But of course, it's going to be a little harder. They're going to go against St. Louis and then Boston and Washington next week on wednesday and then saturday and sunday so what are your thoughts in general for these guys like is there hope that someone could like retain whatever fantasy relevance they had before kaprizov was hurt or do you think like you know your hartmans and zuccarellos guys who've like have been doing well playing on kaprizov line like, i'm curious to know like how much do you think this hurts these other minnesota wild players yeah it definitely doesn't help even remotely i've been riding hartman's hot streak over the last month and I really wonder how much I'm actually going to use him. Like you, you mentioned, he's got the Wednesday, Sunday off nights, but if I could stream someone in instead and get three games before the weekend, um, that might be a much better way to go. Like odds are, if you've got say a Hartman or a Boldy, those guys are probably lingering right around the tail end of your roster. They're, they're in this, the positions where you're thinking, okay, these are streaming opportunities. And so are you better off going with someone off of say the Leafs, even if all you're getting is hits and blocks and chewing up, you know, some of those peripheral categories and then seeing what happens on the weekend, or are you better off waiting for Hartman to go Wednesday, Sunday? Because on the 13 game Saturday, like you can sure bet you're not playing any of your wild. Yeah. So I guess, uh, yeah, and there's always the strategy that I think some people don't consider. Like you could always drop Hartman, but then have a plan to add him back, right? Like maybe like, it, you know, get like the Monday, Wednesday. And then maybe while everyone else is thinking, I'll get Hartman back for the weekend, maybe you like grab him back on Friday. Like, I don't know. Like, there is an option where you can try to do something like that. Obviously, you're playing with fire a little bit. But I think also if you don't end up getting Hartman back, whatever. It's not going to like end your season or anything. But yeah, maybe you're right. That's not worth holding him just for like that Wednesday game before the weekend. Uh, but yeah, I think like Boldy, I'm, I'm interested. The guy that interests me the most is Boldy, just to see if he can kind of be like the new Kaprizov. Like, it seems like he's probably like, the most talented guy on the team now with Kaprizov out. So I'm just curious to see if he can like, you know, be one of these players who like really relishes the opportunity to become like, you know, quote unquote, the guy, uh, you know, good first game. But again, this is against San Jose. So I'm not going to give him too much credit for that. Uh, next up, uh, Montreal. So now we're getting to only teams that have one off day game, but at least four games overall. So that's something. Uh, so Montreal goes Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So especially if you have room on Tuesday, maybe you look at a Montreal guy, though, man, it's uh, not looking good. Like, I, I feel bad. Nick Suzuki now is pointless in three games. Like, he was holding his own a little bit. He was somehow getting uh, a lot. I don't. I guess I shouldn't give all Suzuki the credit, but Raphael Harvey Pinard became a person we talked about on the podcast a lot for a little while. But lately, yeah, Suzuki's pointless in three. His line mates are Raphael Harvey Pinard and Jesse Yelonen. So a bit of a downgrade from the Cole Caulfield types he was playing with earlier in the year. Do you think like let's say you hold you have Suzuki right now and you know you're probably holding him for I one do. day off. 
Okay, so you have him. So let's say Monday. Do you have room for him on the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday? Or are you like potentially benching him on those days? I'm curious to know with that in mind, like, is he someone you're considering dropping for like someone who plays some off days after, you know, let's say Tuesday? Definitely after the Tuesday, he is on the cusp of being dropped. And really, it's not just this week that Montreal locks into that Saturday, Thursday, Tuesday schedule. Like it's going into next week as well. They've only got three games next week and it's all on those common nights. So uh, you could find yourself in a situation where you're you're really grasping at straws to try to get Suzuki into your lineup after Tuesday. So I could see making that dump, but certainly if he's in your lineup, you want him for the Monday, Tuesday, because well, he's already there. Um, presumably if, if you've been riding with them and still are riding with them, a lot of that is probably because you have face-off wins. If you don't, then you he probably found his way to the waiver wire. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I have him on that team I was telling you about where I'm fighting to stay out of the basement. Obviously, it's been one of the reasons why the season hasn't gone so well for me. A Suzuki, you know, had a great start. And then just, you know, once the injuries happened, he's really fallen off. And yeah, that last game against New Jersey definitely didn't enjoy the zero goals, zero assists, zero shots. Uh, that, that's obviously never fun. So yeah, maybe next year he becomes a bit of like a sleeper once everyone is healthy. But because I think he's like a great player, but obviously you need someone to play with. And uh, yeah, not not looking good for him. And I agree with you. I think he's unfortunately a drop like any Habs forward or defense. Maybe like Mike Matheson is worth. holding. Yes. Yeah. Aside from him. I'm Ma- sure Matheson is a highlight for me. The guy has averaged two and a half shots, one and a half hits, one and a half blocks per game. He's averaging over 24 minutes a night. He's getting those top power play minutes. He's over a half point per game. Uh, he's not a top 20 defenseman. He's not up there with Sandine, but he's certainly uh, very valuable. Only 33% owned in Yahoo, 59% in fan tracks. Yeah, no, I, it'd be surprising also if like if a serious league has Matheson still in free agency, especially now, like for Monday, especially if you have room and you could fit in like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday to start next week, get those three games uh, in like, you know, in four days. And then I guess you can reassess moving forward after that. Another defenseman on the team who's back, he was out for a while. So maybe people forgot about him. Caden Gooley. He had a goal and assist versus the Rangers. This is obviously a deep cut here. No points versus the Devils, but he did have like two shots, four hits, two blocks. So if you need peripherals, I think that Caden Gooley's so much to look at. He's playing big minutes. I know that Habs fans think that he's like going to be their future like top defenseman. Uh, so nice to see him getting an opportunity here. And yeah, for peripherals, I think he's kind of interesting. Maybe a, a Trevor Van Riems like type. Yes, I, I very much like the Gooley option as a streamer for your Monday, Tuesday, and then you dump him after that. Um, get, bang out those first two quick options. Uh, another option for that is Josh Anderson, still available in in a ton of leagues. Um, get a couple of quick games and then flip over to someone else. Yeah, and Anderson's like solid for hits always. So even if he doesn't get you a point, he'll help you with something at least. Uh, I'm with you there. All right, next up, let's go to Dallas. Same schedule as Montreal. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So another team where maybe you grab the early days and then you reassess. Uh, this team has already been such like a top line, top power play that everyone else isn't too valuable. Now Tyler Sagan is hurt with a leg injury. I don't think we've gotten an update yet on how serious it is. But, you know, Max Domi came in and was playing with Sagan. I think he was doing okay. Like uh, Domi has points in three straight games now playing uh, with the Stars. But now he's on a line with Marchment and Delandria uh, with no Sagan around. I don't know. I feel like maybe Domi... Like, I'm curious to get your take on Max Domi because he's having such an amazing season, like doing more than what anyone could have hoped for on that tire fire of a team over in Chicago. Now he goes to Dallas and he's really just... It's hard to imagine. Like, it's been so long since anyone who's not on the top power play has done anything on this team. So is there a reason to believe that Domi can maintain fantasy relevance for our playoffs? Or do you think he's going to be a drop outside of maybe a, a light day game on the Monday, Tuesday coming up? I think he's got a chance. He's not the most intriguing of the options that they have in their depth department, though. Like, I'm really intrigued by Mason Marchment. He went three months over 30 games without a goal. And now he's got three goals and six points in his last four games. Some of that with Domi. Um, The guy has been a monster for Pims, hits, shots. He just hasn't been able to score, and now he's scoring again like he was last year. So I'm really intrigued in what he can offer. Uh, you'd be in tough to get him into your lineup on those some of those denser nights later in the week. But um, deeper leagues, you could definitely use a guy like this, and he's available on a ton of waiver wires because he went three months without scoring a goal. 
yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. I may I didn't even notice that Mason Marchment was on this streak just because I've gotten so used to just him not being someone that needs to be on my radar. But obviously, going into the year, a lot of people drafted him, and he was a huge disappointment. But yeah, uh, three goals in his last four games, and also three assists. So that's obviously a good run, and we'll see if he can keep it up. So maybe like Domi and Marchment could make things happen on another line, which will be something new. And then obviously you've got the Ben line. Like Ben generally just gets all of his points on the power play, and he's been great there. Uh, but like Dodonov has also done pretty well. He's got six points in seven games. Yeah. So maybe this is... This is I, I like Dodonov, but you don't want to overreact to them scoring 10 goals against Buffalo. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I like the depth that they've accrued up front. I'm interested in Marchment and Dodonov. Okay, uh, I'm with you. So yeah, an interesting team. We'll see how they do in the playoffs. The West is uh, kind of shallow. So Dallas could be a team that we end up uh, talking about for a while. I wouldn't be surprised if they could repeat what they did a couple years ago. Like outside of Colorado, would you concur with me that Colorado is probably the front runner in the West? And like, I'd be curious to know, like, who would be your, your second pick or your first pick if you don't agree on Colorado? I mean, I guess you go with Colorado because they won it last year and the year before they were they seemed like the the top dogs. But like, there's no one running away with it. And even though Colorado's top talent is is, is very proven, like I, I'm perfectly prepared for anyone to come out of the West. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I mean, the East will also be fun to watch. I mean, we, we're hockey fans here. I feel like we'll, we'll enjoy all these series. It's always fun when we get to that first round of the playoffs. But okay, uh, let's go now to Boston. Another four-game schedule next week. This is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Obviously, the big news lately on the Bruins has been Dmitry Orlov like, and just like totally breaking out since joining the team. And he even recently got top power play, which was like super exciting. I'm sure anyone who was like thinking about whether they should add him or not, that put him over the top. Of course, the Bruins did lose today to the red wings which is kind of surprising and they also had it they were in tough versus the red wings on saturday as well so i wonder if things get shaken up but in the meantime i'd imagine like, i'd be curious to know you you were so high on rasmus sandin uh if you had the option of either orlov or sandin who's more interesting to you uh moving forward for the fantasy playoffs uh, easily sandin Orlov is is interesting but ultimately i don't necessarily see him maintaining this type of production um but Boston's been there. A, a lot of the guys that I wrote this year, guys like Marchand and Krejci and McAvoy, um, have not been very productive over the last couple of weeks. And you know, part of the reason that I was so in on these Bruins was because during the fantasy playoffs, they have four games every single week. But if you got four games every single week, that means you're going to be having back to backs and guys this age are maybe going to start sitting out games. So I'm worried that already guys like Marchand are maybe, you know, taking the foot off the gas a little bit here and then they might end up sitting some games. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm toying with the idea uh, of dropping a Marchand, but I'm not there yet, but I'm toying with it um in shallower leagues yeah i mean obviously if he's going to be sitting then it makes sense it seems like a you know a wild drop to make especially when they're playing so many games but yeah obviously if the player's not playing that's not good and also yeah you're saying maybe he's playing quote unquote like he's he's in the roster but you're saying he's taking the foot off the gas and obviously guys like you know bergeron and, and Krejci also you know they're older and obviously the boston's going for a long playoff run they're hoping for so yeah i wonder if maybe some of these guys are going to slow down that's a really good point uh and they've been also shifting up the lines i wanted to mention uh like tyler bertuzzi came in and was slotted on the third line to start and they were you know sticking with DeBrusque, Bergeron, Marchand on the top line, and then Pasternak, Zaka, and Krejci on the second line. And so like Bertuzzi looked like, okay, this guy isn't going to be worth anything, just a depth guy for them, kind of slotting into where Taylor Hall was. Then uh, like on Saturday, Bertuzzi, I saw in the line combos, he was on the second line, and Zaka went to line three. And then I see today, like mid-game, I guess they were losing, they swapped it up again, and Bertuzzi played a lot of time with Marchand and Bergeron on the top line. All that said... Bertuzzi still not doing anything. <laughs> he, only, he has like just one assist in four games with the Bruins. Uh, so I dropped him in one of my leagues, like going right into these uh, playoffs. And I'm not regretting it now. Obviously, the when I whenever I see that he's like getting bumped up the lineup, that makes me wonder if maybe I'm going to regret it. How do you think this is going to work out for Bertuzzi? Is he someone on your radar at all? He's not really. I mean, he's he's not in the top five forwards that I'd be looking to have on my roster off that team 
Yeah, so there you go. I guess you could always watch line combos and stream him in for a game if you're seeing that he's playing. Like, if he's playing on the top line, that should be good, but not a guarantee. As we saw today, the Bruins scored three goals, and Bertuzzi ended the game with no points, like a single shot, no blocks. Like, yeah, he's not really doing much for you, no hits. So, yeah, it's, it hasn't been a great, exciting run for him on his new team so far, at least for fantasy. Uh, okay, next up, we can go to Nashville, another four-game team next week, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Philip Forsberg is still out. Uh, so they've been rolling with some lines of like just some like wild names. Like it, it, it's pretty crazy how shallow this team is when you don't have Philip Forsberg and then Grandland is gone. Like you look at these lines, like you have Matt Duchesne as the big name. He's been playing with Cody Glass and Phil Tomasino. And then what is even the second line? I don't know, like Sherwood, Novak, and Luke Evangelista, and Colton Sissons with Trennan and Cole Smith. And like, you know, these are like really like no name guys here. Tommy Novak, we've talked about on the podcast before. He had a good run Kiefer Sherwood I just want to mention his name as someone where again like one of these guys where if you need hits uh Sherwood uh, had eight hits in Nashville's last game against LA so he's someone to keep in mind but I guess my question to you Steve since I don't want to just ask you to well I mean if, feel free to tell me if there's one of these random names that really excite you that maybe is not on my radar but I'm curious to get your take on Kevin Lankinen who just had a really great game against LA in the shootout yesterday you know, only let in one goal in that game. Uh, he's up to, Lankin's up to a 925 save percentage on the season. And granted, he's only played 15 games. And I know that, like, he's the backup. Maybe he's getting the easier games uh, for the team when they want to have Saros in for the, the you know, tougher competition. But for what it's worth, like, if you look at just the raw save percentage, Lankin's at 925, Saros at 917 in, like, almost triple the games. Lankin just had his contract extended. So he's earned himself another year of gainful employment in the NHL, which wasn't, like, a guarantee, I think going into last year i was like he was gonna have to prove himself this year uh is there a chance that like lankanen can challenge for more stars like looking at next week like i said tuesday thursday saturday sunday any chance that lankanen gets like two of those games or is it for sure just gonna be like he'll get one of the back-to-backs on the weekend and that's it nothing is for sure but nashville is probably still toying with ideas of sticking around in the race um so they're gonna give soros uh, as many starts as he is uh up to starting I, I would say, but Lankin is definitely a, a worthy spark, spot start option. Um, as, as for their forwards, I, I'm fairly convinced that you made up at least three of those names, <laughs> but um, Tommy Novak, only 6% owned. Uh, he's cooled off, but uh, I think he benefits if Forsberg gets back in the lineup. You suddenly have that goal scorer that can make everything kind of click and he'll get some points off of that. And then Sherwood, um, that I don't think that's the only eight hit game that he's had. He's on like a run of like 40 hits in, I don't know, the last like seven, eight games. Uh, there is some legitimate streaming strategy to be played there. If you can get him in their schedule, isn't as optimal as you want. It's lots of games, but like if you don't have the room to get Sherwood in, then it might, it might be damaging anyway, but like I'm dabbling with the idea of, of dumping the hits god radko gudis to stream in sherwood because you're only getting two games out of gudis on like the most stacked thursday and saturday um and depending on how many defense slots you have versus uh how many forward slots you can play you might be able to get just way more hits out of a sherwood and that's not just this week it's it's going forward yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that my first pick would probably be Sammy Blay. I don't know if he's out there for you, Steve, just because he has those three off day games. But I feel like Sherwood and Blay are kind of interesting to me, like in a similar way, where they're both guys who like mainly you have for hits, but all of a sudden they're playing in like scoring roles, like getting some opportunity, like, you know, playing like 14, 15 minutes a game when you'd expect someone like that to play like 10 minutes. Like, you know, you look at like Liam O'Brien on Arizona. He also gets a ton of hits, but he plays like 10 minutes a game, never shoots the puck. Like Sherwood and Blay both are taking shots like getting some power play time if you look at like on nashville's last game uh, sherwood had 38 percent of the power play time so a, a solid chunk didn't get any power play points but it, it's something so yeah i think there's definitely something there where if you can get someone who's like almost a guarantee for a ton of hits plus like a, a, a small chance of giving you even something else shots you know like a point potentially it, it's interesting so yeah definitely you don't want to completely disregard someone just because you hadn't heard of him before listening to this podcast uh, anyway, let's take another quick break and then we'll just keep rolling. Steve, we're like going a lot faster. I feel like Brian and I need to uh, re-listen to this episode at some point before our next one and see how we can like, uh, you know, keep this tempo going. We're going to get through these teams. No problem. Uh, so we'll see how we yeah, can maybe take some it. notes. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, we'll see if we can keep it going. Back in just a sec. All right. So we've covered. I should have numbered these as I went so I could see how many teams we've gone through so far. But we've we've gone through a handful of them. We just finished on Nashville. I'm going through all of the NHL teams uh, in terms of ranked by their schedule for next week, according to me. And I'm with my good friend and like fantasy expert, Steve Laidlaw. And we're now up to the New Jersey Devils. Another four games next week. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, New Jersey, obviously, like they made a big splash at the deadline. They got Timo Meyer. Uh, I don't know, like, uh, in terms of, though, fantasy, like, uh, they haven't been doing as much as we'd hope, at least some of these guys, though I'm seeing right now, New Jersey is beating Carolina 3 nothing, and I was gonna bring up Jesper Bratt as someone on a cold streak and ask you if you're concerned about him. He was pointless in four games and playing, scheduled to play on the line with, like, Palat and Haula, so not with, like, a Hughes or a Heesher, which kind of concerned me a little bit. I'm seeing, though, Bratt has two goals today. They're both assisted by Jack Hughes, <laughs> so clearly something has changed, so... You know, hopefully, I assume your answer would have been not to worry about Jesper Bratt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were a slight panic team for me just because another team that I really heavily relied upon all season. Um, and with with Jack Hughes, um, really, and, and Jesper Bratt both struggling since Timo Meyer arrived. Um, but that has flipped tonight, and and you kind of knew that it would eventually. Um, they've been producing offensive chances like crazy and just not finishing. And now we're seeing the finish. So um, yeah, very little concern. Those are all guys who should be owned in most all leagues and, and started, even if you're in a weekly starts league, um, they should be rolled out there. Um, definitely some depth options that, that you have to like with how well the he line with Mercer and Tatar has been playing. So those are some guys who you may look at on the waiver wire. Yeah, so this top line now of today, Meyer, Bratt, and Hughes has like all three of the goals, it looks like. And then, yeah, he sure has been amazing all year. And Mercer is up to 20 points in his last 12 games going into today. He's riding a 12-game point streak. We'll see if he'll be able to extend it today. Uh, Like, where was this guy for the first half of the season? Like, I know he's like a prospect that people have been into for a while. uh, But going into the year, like, he wasn't drafted in most of my leagues. And he would sometimes be like added and dropped. And now just all of a sudden, he's exploded into like a huge superstar. He's not even on the top power play. And he's getting all these points. So, like, how for real do you think Dawson Mercer is? Like, is he someone that you're going to be, you know, maybe not like two points a game like he has been lately? But do you think that he's going to be, well, he probably will be drafted really high in leagues next year. The question is, do you think he'll be like someone that's going to turn out to be a bust for people? Or do you think this is for real? And maybe he'll fall because people are wondering if it was just a one-time thing. And then they'll regret not just having taken him when they could have. Do you remember a couple years back when Marty Nietzsche started showing flashes? Mm-hmm. It feels a lot like that. Like Nietzsche's, like it's the same type of profile, right? Like, re- like smart, lots of like varying skills. Um, you can see him quarterbacking a number one power play from the half wall. Um, maybe his best position is center, but they've currently got him playing on the wing because he's in one of his first years. And you start seeing this like crazy production playing on a on a team that's just bubbling up and, and starting to really show um, how good they can be. But ultimately, like, is he going to get top power play usage? Probably not. So um, as they like push to see what other things that he can do and um you know a, a lot of times development isn't linear so it's like you're seeing like this is the potential um it could be another two years before mercer is like full-on doing stuff or he's just legit from here on out but i i would lean more towards the nietzsche's uh roller coaster model because um the opportunity isn't going to be there the same way that it would be on a little bit of a weaker team like the the forward crop there is is so deep that it's going to be tough for him to get those top power play minutes that would help him to ride through any struggles he might have yeah i mean right now the top power play is hughes meyer Heesher, and brat so that's a really tough group to crack we'll see if meyer comes back next year uh, maybe he can get in over like a palat or tatar who was getting some time earlier on so yeah for next year i guess we'll have to see like you said like who's gonna be there but yeah he's looking really good and yeah that Nietzsche's comparison is very interesting we all know Nietzsche's had a real down year last year then this year he's just exploded i actually had him queued up to talk about when we get to carolina uh, right now, though, maybe the Carolina talk will just be how they're getting uh, killed today. And they also got 
shutout yesterday. So it's been a while since Carolina's scored a goal. We'll see if uh, they score a goal by the time we talk about them. But one more thing on New Jersey. I was going to bring up Vitek Vanacek, who also is kind of, well, I mean, I don't want to jinx him here, but so far he's stopped 19 of, of 19 in this don't game say against it. Carolina. Well, I mean, I don't, don't you I say that word. Because I just think there's someone listening that's like going to blame me because Vanacek. Uh, I'm know. going to blame you. Oh, it's for you. Okay, I apologize. All right, so I'm not going to say any magic words. I'm just going to say that going into this game, he was ice cold, three plus goals against in each of his last five games. I'm wondering if this is just, you know, uh, Darcy Kemper situation from before where he was cold for a bit. You would be dumb to you know, get rid of him because he's just going to bounce back. And that's just how goalies are. Like I, it is worth mentioning that Akira Schmid came in and played the last two games for the devils and he won them both. And they were really good, like one and two goals against and Akira Schmid has nine twenty seven save percentage in his 14 games, very similar numbers to Kevin Lankinen. So if I, if I gave time to Lankinen, I have to give time to Schmid here, but do you think New Jersey is going to consider like going to 50-50 or do you think it's for sure like Vanacek is their guy and they just gave Schmidt a couple games to let Vanacek, I don't know, like find his find himself and now maybe he's going to bounce back a little bit? Oh, I wouldn't rule out the Devils giving Schmidt more run. Like certainly every back-to-back he's going to be playing in and maybe more because ultimately they don't want to burn Vanacek out down the stretch. He's going to be their number one for the playoffs. So it behooves them to keep him nice and fresh. So you're probably getting more starts out of a Schmid on a team that their playoff spot is all but locked up um, than you are from a Lankanen on a team that is still kind of fighting for it. Like you, you look at what Winnipeg's doing, like Dave Riddick, like he's just, he doesn't exist anymore. It's Connor Hellebuck, <laughs> every game, every back-to-back, both halves, doesn't matter. Oh, if, I thought Riddick was playing today, but you're no. right. Hellebuck's in today. <laughs> no, and it's been, and it's been this way for like a couple of weeks. Like Riddick doesn't exist. the The chronicles of Riddick, like that, that's a story that was told <laughs> decades ago. Um, it, it no longer exists. It's Hellebuck all the time, and you're going to see that on teams that are desperate for points and teams that aren't. They've got a lot more flexibility to um, rest their starter, and so I, honestly, less is more with Vanacek. So if he only plays two games a week and they're really good, I'm satisfied with that as an owner. Sure. Yeah. If you get two games a week from a goalie in fantasy, that's good. It's, it's more like when they have a three game week and then there's a risk that they'll only get one of those games. That's where you have to get nervous. Like how Arizona has kind of like totally been, uh, you know, going back and forth. And now they even brought in Prosvitov for some reason. And now like really hurt people who were relying on a couple starts from like a you know, Vemelka. Maybe we'll get to them also. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with New Jersey. By the way, it's interesting you say that uh, Hellebuck is playing. I had a sit start decision today in one of my leagues where I was deciding between Killorn and Mason McTavish. And my reasoning for deciding to go with Killorn over McTavish was that I thought that Jets were playing Riddick. So I was like, okay, well, I might as well just play the guy playing against Riddick. And uh, luckily, even though Hellebuck's a net, uh, Killorn still scored. So everything worked out. And actually, it's okay to jump around a little bit, right, Steve? Like, we might as well just go to Winnipeg quickly and talk about Hellebuck because you're saying that they're, like, you know, treating uh, the situation like Riddick doesn't exist and just going with their sure thing in Hellebuck, but he actually hasn't been much of a sure thing lately. He's letting four-plus goals in each of his last six games, except for one of them where it was three goals. So he hasn't been super reliable lately. Just yesterday, he got the win. He let in four versus Florida. I was on 48 shots, so that's pretty wild that he's playing today after all like you know having such a busy workload just the game before i'm seeing here jets are up three to two over tampa so uh, hellebuck's only stopped 13 of 15 uh obviously still a lot of game to go here but yeah it's a pretty wild choice and i feel like on one hand i'd be happy as a hellebuck manager because i'm just getting all these games but on the other hand he might not play as well because he's probably getting a little tired yeah, it's probably going to hurt you. And I mean, the Jets have been in an absolute tailspin. That's why he's playing so much. And so it's it's kind of like this uh, self-fulfilling prophecy or like feedback loop where um, they're tiring him out. So he's not playing as well. And then he's not playing as well. So they're having to roll him out there and it just mm-hmm. continues to spiral. But ultimately, like he's one of the very few goalies that you're like, oh, this guy's like rock solid. You got to start him. And like, he could he could implode in this last little bit against Tampa Bay, but like so far, like so good. And so you don't really know the night that he's gonna have a, a stinker. Like you have a stinker against like San Jose and then have an awesome game against Boston. Like it's that's 
the caliber of talent that we're dealing with, but ultimately the position that we're dealing with. So the guy could implode against a bad team and, and have a great start against a good team. So you just roll them out there and it's all the more reason to have fantasy leagues set up where you're only really tracking counting stats and not rate stats because those ones suck. <laughs> well, I guess I, some people might say that they want to just focus more on quality over quantity. I guess it depends what you what you want to do. But yeah, definitely Halibut is like a cheat code if you're just counting on volume because like you say, he's playing every single game. If the Devils like or if the Jets don't trust Riddick, why didn't they just get a different goalie? Like there were a lot of free agent goalies they could have signed. They could have gotten Lankinen. But uh, well, it's not that they don't trust Riddick. It's that they like unequivocally trust Hellebuck. So that's right. that's what they're rolling with. <laughs> like they are, they are aware that like backup goalies exist for a reason. Like even teams with good goalies have backups that they play sometimes. Like Tampa Bay played Brian Elliott yesterday. They got the win over Chicago. Uh, though, yeah, I, guess, I think. Yeah. I think Winnipeg's hit the point in their season where just making the playoffs is their playoffs. Um, and like Josh Morrissey just got hurt. So hopefully that's not long-term, but they, they, they've been quite banged up um, and they're just hoping to get in and then they'll, they'll deal with what happens there because there's, there's a chance that they don't even get in um, as slim as that maybe. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, they've been rolling with some interesting lines because, like you say, Josh Morrissey is out and also Pierre-Luc Dubois has been out. So, uh, uh, old friend, like, I remember back when this guy was on Tampa Bay and getting points because he was playing with good lines. And once again, Vladislav Nemesnikov finds himself in a good spot playing with Wheeler and Ehlers now on his new team in Winnipeg. And Nemesnikov had two goals and an assist versus Florida. Uh, overall, like, five points in four games with Winnipeg going into today. I don't know. Like uh like Winnipeg, by the way, their schedule next week again, another of these Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, so four games, but likely you can't fit someone in like Nemesnikov on a lot of the days. But is he someone that's inter- I mean, I mean I don't even have to ask I, I bet I know the answer, right? It's like he's Vaslav Nemesnikov, we know what he is, but if he's in a good spot, I guess he's potentially gonna produce like he has been. No, I'm just not interested at all. Okay. I'm, far, I'm far more interested in Nino Niederreiter. Um maybe less chance that he's available, but like forty two percent of Fantrax leads he's owned, so still over half where he's available. And the guys put up five points, 17 shots, 12 hits in six games since joining the Jets. And he's getting top power play run. He's playing with like all the good players. Um, the no reason that if you were faced with a situation of deciding between Niederreiter and Nemestikov, that you wouldn't take Niederreiter. Oh, yeah, 100%. Another power play goal today, by the way, for Nino Niederreiter. And yeah, he's he's one of these guys almost like, you know, maybe not totally to the level of Sandine, but kind of close. And like, if, if Niederreiter's not rostered in your league, I'd be kind of surprised with how well he's been doing and the deployment that he's been getting. Yeah, he's definitely one to uh, stop now and go look and see if he's available. Over 70% of Yahoo leagues available. Yeah, and obviously for Nemesnikov, like we, the Jets are hoping that Pierre-Luc Dubois will be back at some point soon, and then Nemesnikov will lose all of his value. But Nino, it seems like he's locked in in his line. It's just, uh, yeah, Nemesnikov is just the uh, person who's slotting in for the injured Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, okay, so let's do another Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday team that's playing today in the New York Rangers. They finished today. They lost in overtime to Pittsburgh, 3-2. to two, And the Rangers, another uh, line blender team. This is wild. Today, they rolled with Patrick Kane on the third line with Lafreniere and Philip Hedl. Uh So that left like so Zibanejad, Tarasenko, and Panarin. And then Kreider, Trocek, and Kako. So I don't know. Like, they lost. Maybe they switch it up again. Like, Kane's been playing with a few guys. Um I don't know. I, I feel like I'm personally like less excited in a Patrick Kane if he's going to be playing with Lafreniere and Hedl. He had no points today after he had a goal in a couple of games before that. I don't know. Like the, the thing with the Rangers, I look at their roster. Like you look at these three lines I just said. You look at their defense with like Truba and Adam Fox and Keandre Miller. Like you know, you look at Shostyorkin. Like it looks like such a great team. Uh, but then like I just don't get that vibe that they're like such a scary team. So I'm curious, like, do you think they're actually as good as they look on paper? Do you think that they're gonna, you know, make a real run at this thing? Or is it just like a lot of great names, but still like, I don't know, missing some je ne sais quoi? At the risk of coming back on here in the fall and coming on hot takes exposed, um, I don't think the Rangers are like that scary at all. Okay. So like I'd be curious to hear why. Like, is again, like just saying the names. Like, these are yeah. big names. <laughs> yeah, 
it's classic. Like, I, I don't want to become that like talking head trope of like, oh, classic Rangers. They went out and like got the big names, but like, like we all would have done the Patrick Kane trade. He cost them nothing. So it's like, eh, what, what, why not do it? But like, I don't know, like how many names did you have to go add? And like, how many of the young players who like at one point had a fire lit under their ass um, now no longer like are getting those opportunities because they've got these big names in their way. And isn't there like a different, like I, I know Kane has produced a ton in the playoffs, but he's not going to be used in that kind of role in the playoffs. So come playoff time, like, is he what you're really looking for? And because he got hot for a week, because everyone said that he still didn't have it anymore. It's like, I don't know, the previous four months where he was banged up and didn't have it anymore, like not under more proof. Like, yeah, you can tap into it every now and then, but like how often is he actually going to tap into it? I like this team. They've got a lot to like, but I don't love it. I don't think they're as good as the other teams in their division. They're not as good as New Jersey. They're not as good as Carolina. They're better than Pittsburgh, but ultimately, yeah, like not today, the the Eastern Conference is a gauntlet. So <laughs> they're they're at the bottom of that gauntlet for me. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Like I'm with you. Like just my gut feeling is I'm not too scared about the Rangers. But then I I look at these lines, but I think you you might be right here. Like also these power plays. Like it's very tricky for fantasy. Like on, on one hand, you could get excited about someone like a Lafreniere or a Hedl. Like Hedl was on, I guess, the top power play with Zabanajad, Kreider, Tarasenko, Adam Fox, and then there was another power play with Kane, Shochek, Panarin, <laughs> Lafreniere, and Shruba. Like it's like. I don't know, it feels like a like an all-star game kind of thing, but I guess not. But it also feels like it also feels like they don't know, like they don't have the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. all the all the new guys that they brought in should be on power play two with the young guys and continue to rock what they had, which is a very effective power play one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Kreider, Trocek, Panarin, Zabanajad, and Fox was nothing to sneeze at. And now, yeah, they have all these new names. Uh, and yeah, they're trying to play with different things. So I guess we'll see if they lock something in before the playoffs. I think for now, if we're looking at Line Blender for sure. There's no point in me asking you, or oh, are we more interested in Lafreniere because he's playing with Kane? Like, it doesn't matter because it's probably going to change for the next game anyway. Uh, all right. So we have made it through a bunch of teams so far that still play like four times or have a couple off days. So we're in the second half here, we're going to start diving into teams with worse schedules. So then it'll become more of a question of like, you really have to decide if this player is worth holding on your fantasy team for potentially like once we get into the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday teams, you have guys that potentially you could be benching on all three days. So it'll be fun to talk those through. Uh, but I think we'll just take a quick break. We'll finish up with uh, part one here. Uh, go and check your podcast feed of Keeping Carlson. Hopefully you're subscribed so you'll be able to find part two uh, which will be waiting for you and i'll be back with steve laidlaw to try to continue our journey through every team in the nhl giving you some fantasy takes so thanks for listening and we'll be back uh in part two very soon well for you immediately bye <laughs> <laughs>